If I asked you to sum up Meg White's drumming in one word, what would you say? Basic? Primal? Simple? Or just plain bad? Whatever word you choose, there's a good chance that your impression of her as a drummer sells her a bit short, and we're going to talk about why Meg White has been underrated from the very beginning. I'm Ginger Valentine, and this is Key Change. not debate with me with ginger valentine when they released white blood cells back in 2001 the white stripes stood out from their fellow rock revivalists not just with their three-tone aesthetic and sibling cover story but also for their scrappy loose but tight garage rock the band's outsized frontman jack white gets most of the credit overshadowing the more reserved meg with his meth-addled robert smith aesthetic and his iconic plastic guitar as a side note, the success of the White Stripes is almost as much because of their savvy marketing as for their music. But the sound of the White Stripes came from the two of them, and Meg's unique style was an essential and equal part of that. Let's look at the giddy, joyous way that she plays on Fell in Love with a Girl. all crashing cymbals and big hits, it makes the whole song feel like a sugar rush chorus for the entirety of its just under two minute runtime, steamrolling through the verse chorus format with pure enthusiasm. A different drummer might have held back, played with more restraint in the verses to make the chorus pop, and that would have been a valid choice, but it's not what Meg did, and I think the song's more exciting for it. Plus, I can tell it was a purposeful choice not to push that verse chorus dynamic, because she did choose to do that on Hotel Yorba on the same album. That's another brilliant performance to me. Not a dizzyingly technical one, but one where her playing does a huge amount to set the tone of the song. Offsetting the cute, slightly wonky rhythm of Jack's acoustic guitar, Meg's playful boom pa boom pa boom pa pattern gives the verses a naive charm that adds to the innocent romanticism of the lyrics, while making you bop your head from side to side when you hear it. And once again, this isn't a song that I think could be made better by a more technical drummer, and I'd even argue that a tighter, more intricate playing would rob the song of its appeal. Like Ringo Starr, she's adding to the song's musicality without calling attention to herself, and that's a rare skill. Now, it can be a bit of a backhanded compliment to call someone's playing cute and childlike over and over, plus it still sells Meg short to think of her only in those terms. Look at the claustrophobic intensity of her drumming on Hardest Button to Button. That insistent, unstoppable 4-4 kick drum, doubled up by a fuzzy bass sound, makes the song feel intense in its sparseness. There's no release, not even in the chorus when Meg switches up the rhythm and starts smashing the cymbals. At that point, she changes the rhythm on the kick drum, but there's still no getting away from that juggernaut pulse, which makes Jack's eerie, kind of out of tune guitar feel all the more menacing. For a drummer who is usually disregarded at best and openly mocked at worst, Meg White's playing has layers. It contains multitudes. So the next question, I guess, is why was she openly mocked? 
Why does Meg get singled out when there are plenty of dull, character-free dramas out there? First off, it's easy to confuse a simple drum pattern with one that took no effort, like she was phoning it in, or didn't even care enough to try. This is the same mentality on display when people look at Jackson Pollock or Andy Warhol's work and say, I could have done that. Especially with Pollock's paint-spotted canvases, the lack of formal technique is challenging when you've come to expect precise brushstrokes or clearly defined images. I'll pull back on that analogy a little bit. I'm certainly not going to suggest that Meg White is the Jackson Pollock of drumming, but the scenario is similar. We've got an internal sense of what a drummer sounds like. Controlled, precise, rhythmic. And Meg's lack of interest in that technical proficiency is a challenge to our definition of quote-unquote good drumming. Of course, that assumes that the criticism and the jokes are solely based on her playing, which they, they aren't. Sorry to have buried the lead, but that's the crux of this episode. Meg White isn't the target of mockery purely because of the way she plays. Those jokes, the gripes, those weirdly angry forum posts, they're because Meg doesn't fit the idea of a drummer. It's damn near impossible to separate an opinion on Meg White the drummer from Meg White the person, more specifically, Meg White the woman. Before we get into that, let's step back for a second and talk about those ideas of what a drummer is, what they do, and what they look like. We've all got them, every one of us, and not just about musicians, artists, writers, train drivers. We've all got an internal sense, a schema, if you will, of every role, job, hobby, and position in the world. And those schema reflect our world, our experience, and the media that we've consumed. That's why the riddle about a doctor refusing to operate on a patient works. Because on an unconscious level, we tend to think of doctors as men. And not just men, white men, older men, bearded statesmen right out of central casting. When any given doctor in an Australian hospital is just as likely to be a person of colour, or a woman, or both. Even the most progressive among us, even the most aggressively, performatively woke, hi, has schema like these. And those prejudices creep in no matter how we try. This isn't an excuse for ignorant or offensive behaviour. It's our duty as caring humans to work to unpack those biases and interrogate them thoroughly. Because if you don't, you end up being the person on a forum who's disproportionately, irrationally upset at Meg White's technique, or Kelly from Camp Cope's bass playing, or Ariana Grande, or Brie Larson as Captain Marvel. There is a pattern there. Maybe more so than other similar fields, except video games. And comics. Okay, fuck. Or they're, they're all fucked. But the music industry has a standout history in abusing, exploiting, and excluding women. Things are certainly shifting, for white women at least, but historically speaking, music is treated as a pursuit for men. The kind of blinkered thinking you need to believe that is kind of amazing, given the literal game changers like Dolly Parton, Tessa Rosetta Tharp, Darlene Love, Debbie Harry, and more. But the music industry, which is dominated, especially at higher levels, by men, has successfully tricked us all into believing that men make music, especially the kind played on real instruments. Just like authenticity, another code word for masculinity, the standard of good is skewed towards men and the way they perform. Consider, once again, Ringo Starr, a much maligned drummer who, like Meg, is much more interesting than you remember. At worst, Ringo is, unjustly, considered a lucky scamp riding on the coattails of his famously talented bandmates, the ring-in who's just happy to be there. No one's writing hateful screeds on forums about Ringo. Meanwhile, the former great drummer, Alana Skyring, who shared Meg's natural feel for bouncy, energetic drumming, would have audience members mock her to her face by shouting for her to do a drum solo that she was not equipped to or interested in doing. That story is a vague memory, and I haven't been able to corroborate it, but even if it is apocryphal, I feel like it's a drop in the ocean where harassment of women on stage is concerned. Music is a boys' club. The drums may be more so than any other instrument in the rock canon, and plenty of people had decided they didn't like Meg long before they heard a bar. And maybe that's why I love her. Not because she's the world's greatest drummer, but because she persistently refused to even engage with a concept of good that was never going to accept her. Meg White has described herself as shy, 
on more than one occasion. But where her drumming is concerned and her total disinterest in seeking that kind of approval, Meg White is a fucking badass. Well, apologies for getting a little bit heavy there, and thank you for sticking with me this far. I think next month we might do something a little bit lighter on, and look at how artists like Lucy Dacus and Wazeblood are drawing on and reinventing Chanson nearly a century after its heyday. As always, thank you so much for listening. Key Change is a deeply personal project for me, and it means a lot to know that you are interested in this stuff too. If you're so inclined, I'd love for you to tell a friend about the show, if you know someone with that uh, music nerd gene. The next episode of Key Change will arrive in about a month, so feel free to check in with my other podcast, Common Sense with Bert Franklap, in the meantime. And follow me on Twitter, at GingerBFG, to hear news as it comes to hand about a forthcoming Fraser podcast that I'll be doing with my friend Joss. Very excited about that one. And I think that's about it. I really should come up with a sign-off catchphrase or something like that. Oh well, one day. But until then, I'll see you in a few weeks to talk about chanson. Chanson.